You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Arab Shabbos Kodesh, this must be, incredibly, the fifth season premiere of Rizcha Daraisa. I'm here with Rabbi Yosef Kafriyot Bechofer, fresh off of his, I'd say it was like super successful. I don't know, what, what can we say? Was a smash tour? What do you say when somebody hits it out of the park as a scholar in residence? Well, what is that called? Uh, Victory. You have to take a a number of victory laps, I think, because I heard from a number of different sources how, you know, that there was, you know, yesh tayrib parsippity. And it was incredible. People said, I didn't go to any other shear, but I went to that guy. I think somebody stopped me on the street and said, I loved your shear in parsippity. Someone said, you know, I said, that wasn't me. That was this other guy. But uh, thank you. (laughs) You remember? Why do you keep mixing us up? It's a pellet. Right. There is no there. There is no tzada shove bechlau. Definitely, yes, definitely, we open our mouths. I understand. I understand. I'll cope on him. I so I know you had a great time, and I know. Uh, well, well, how many people were there in Parsippany again? How many people were part of this? Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. Like it was like bigger than probably as big as Sura was in in the time of Chazal, or maybe or something like that. But yeah, possibly. Yeah, so you Mashiach, and it was not by Surah by when the Reish Kawan, there you were at 1,200, and you and, 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 and the, two, the two headliners were you and uh, the, 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 the great Tzaddik, Rav Moshe Meir Weiss, right? Yes. And uh, those were Zela Umazeh, and, and, uh, and Baruch Hashem, you kept them rolling, even in Chalamayad, were you at, did you have to give Shirem during Chalamayad too? By popular demand. Officially, I only had to give four. Two first two days and last last two days, and had to do a panel. But they asked me for to give shirim to so I gave two shirim to uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. And I know um, I know this is really torture for you to talk about because no, I, I love giving shirim. I know you know you can't even tell the sarcasm in my voice because you know you 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 you. <laughs> You're so emulated, you're so inundated with this, you know, with this kishmak that I'm telling you that you can't even tell the sarcasm. That's, that's I certainly could. I just ignored it. Yeah, okay, you ignored it. So tell anyway, me, let's, what was the let's topic, let's, what was the topic of, of your shiur during Chalamoyed? One of them was uh, inviting somebody on Shabbos or uh, they were going to drive. The other one was uh, overview of uh, Amir al-Nakhri. Overview of Amir al They're both posted on my blog. Uh-huh. So you were able. To... These are old. These old zach and you recycled, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I know. Of course, I know. This yeah. stuff, this stuff, mitzugin shtendik, my dear. Of course, but anyway, yeah, sure. you are the you are the master recycler. Maybe that's why the woke loves you so much because you are into recycling. I wrote an article recycling for Tchumin. So, uh, yes, yes, yes. We all remember it was, uh, it was, uh, it was. I don't know how many thousands and thousands of downloads. Who are the force? I, I, I hope when people printed it up, they recycled that paper. I hope so. Okay, so let's go. Mainly, uh, all right. Anyway, but anyway, Yasha Koyach, I hope you and Rebbitz and Shani will get many, many more gigs. Especially, I hope. First of all, unlike what you did on this farm chatter when you were a, uh, a guest. Please, why don't you at least plug the area where you are most yourself, the place where you shine the brightest, Rizcha Daraisa, 
Next year, if I remember, we have to share, I'll put it in my bio. Remembering, Nash, did you mention in the whole time that you were over there in Parsippany, the great city of Parsippany, did you mention, listen, I do have a podcast. I hope you guys will listen to it. Think once. Think once. I, I, this is how good is, I tell you. <laughs> you think, you still think you can be monotic yourself. You know what? I don't need to mention it. I'm the Parsippany Prophet, I don't need to mention the fact that you'll see is really what it's about. So the Rasichos, you know, unfortunately, you know, you got me into a, a, a mood of levity and joviality when really we, we are in, in a situation which we'll get to, but especially uh, this is after Yom HaShoah. And we know that so many of our listeners, uh, in, in a sense, commemorate and, and feel something towards Yom HaShoah and, 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 and feel that it's a Dover Chosh mode. And you sent me something, which is, I think, one of the best treatments that I have ever heard about Yom HaShoah um, from someone who's a big, who we have actually praised a lot on Rizvod Arisa, as someone who really should be more representative of what we want from our Gedolomim thinkers, uh, Rav Moshe Tzuriel, uh, known originally, I think, as Rav Moshe Weiss. And um, he, he was incredible. I, I, he he is so put together, and he is Gishmak and Simzach. And uh, uh, tell me about now. Before you, I give you the chance to uh, summarize the major points. I do want to point out that on his Facebook page, there is a hundred. Uh, there's about a thousand or so, a uh, thousand and a half downloads, and 118 likes including Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bacha for giving the thumbs up. Did you, did you at least take the time to write a tkuva and then write something in your, your, your incredible prose style of Hebrew to Mishabeach? Did you just put, is that what you're supposed to do when someone gives a great shirt? Just put well, I, don't think, I don't think he actually, I doubt he actually looks at Facebook. I'm sure somebody else posted for him, so I'm not sure. The right, right, but, but, but you know that you could have at least written, you know. Uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how it would have gone back or not gone back Anyway, listen, um, I, I still have his uh, from when I was in Shalvim. So uh, obviously I have a tremendous sense of I think he would I think he would appreciate for you to take your, you know, you, to take your computer in hand and, and write him something because he seems to be a shtickle, a computer maven. He seems he knows that the, there's going to be a there's going to be a, um, a a video at the end, and you're going to be able to stuff. So it's not like he's just like ich bin an alti, and I don't know what computers are. He he knows that he's talking to the audience. But to talk about some of the things you loved about, it, I'll tell you what I liked about it. Well, I, I, the main thing I liked about it is that he said oh, it's a fascinating idea, and I don't know necessarily if. Uh, I uh, uh, agree 100%, but I think it's a fascinating perspective is that that's him. There is no Indian to make a, uh, a, an, a, a, a day to commemorate an Avelos Yeshana unless there's some sort of constructive purpose for it. And he says, you know, that this is, this is also included in Altifkula Mace, Yosemite Dai, that you're not supposed to cry too much for a mace even for a great tragedy. And he points out that there are several great tragedies in Jewish history which have no commemorative day. Uh, and um, evidently, the reason why Chazal enacted the commemorative days and the days that they did is because of they, the, the Rambam's famous uh, statement. Not in Hilchus Truva, remember. Not in Hilchus Truva. Right. Thank you. Hilchus Tainis, that's the... 
I may, I made sure to keep that in in the in that program that that we have to we have to remind you. But go ahead, yes, the famous Rabbi Menuchah's times. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, I have you because this way I can never become a bow guy. As much as I try, I always have you holding me back. That is, I'm telling you, the most Herculean task I am faced with. I can tell you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'll go put it right. So based on the, I'll, I'll finish your sentence while you're laughing at yourself. So basically, the, the, r- r- what he says is, is that also I loved Israel from Yitzchok, from Yitzchok, that the Chazal have a tain on Yitzchok, that he was only misnachim over, sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't know that before. Did you know that before? I don't know that before. Divaldic. Right, that he was only misnachim over from sorry menu three years later. It's shine. Even though you're talking about the tzaddikas who, who, according to the mekubalim, put in his shoyrish neshama, and there was so much kesher. Who's his midir to show nibber You can't be you can't be misabel more than the rabbi who loves us more than anything. So therefore, so therefore, you see, avelus yishon is really. But what he, but his big chiddush is, like you said, is that unlike Rav Hutner, who said no. The, 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 the Shoah should be part of Tishabov, which is the Avelus Hakloli for, for Klal Yisro, and it's all Nichlal and all the Avelus that Tishabov is a simon of, going back, I guess, to the Chet of the Varaglim. He says, based on this Rambam, Nilchistainus, that the Yisoyed is, is to use that to be Ma'iru, to chuva and realize how our Avelus could have put us well, in this situation. If, was, if he had his brothers, obviously he would not have had Yom HaShoah as a separate day. What he's saying is that if it is a day, then this is how he moves it. Right. And, and, and therefore, um, he is able, although, as he said, he starts off saying, you, uh, you think I'm going to be dissing Yom HaShoah? Because we know, of course, the, the weird, in, you know, zany, you know, pro, it's like a weird history of how it turns out to be that day in, yeah. in Nisan based on, based on the first day of Pesach or Chalamoyed and what it was in that year and how they, right, et cetera. Um, and, but it's, but he is able. I, I think in this uh, you, YouTube uh, video, he's able to really uh, not only be machadish that he also came up with. I thought a wonderful chap from the pasuk and Daniel that deals with a, an issue that many machaber dealt with, which is what is a kodesh? Is everybody? You know, there, it, it has been discussed that that if a person died because the Nazis sought him out. And really, you know, discovered that his grandfather was Jewish, and they ended up throwing him into a cattle car and gassing him in Auschwitz. Why should we call that person a Kodesh? Uh, and of course, this comes up with any of the people that have been killed based on terror in Eretz Yisrael, whether we refer to them as Kodeshim, including as we talked about on this program, of course, when we talked about the people who died in Moroni, when we talked about Nebuch, which is we're coming up with that anniversary. So he actually, it doesn't help with Moroni. But he does come up with that Pusik and Daniel where it talks about Am Kedoshim and it's... It also talks about a war at the end of time. In other words, it's not just that it talks about Kedoshim there. It talks about a, a situation which can fit the Holocaust. I remember the Pusikim. Right, right. So he felt that that was a, a tufu where you can see that it was, a, that there was Apikarsim, right? But it's not an Oynish from their Boynish Oyom. And he actually speaks about the fact that that Yom HaShoah, the positive thing is, is if it's if it brings into our consciousness the abject cruelty that um, that was exhibited by so many supposedly enlightened countries, um, and again he he shows a tremendous amount of sympathy to the Ukrainians that are suffering, 
Yet at the same time, he makes it clear that we are not meant to in any way get our moral um, uh, models from anything in the outside world. And he's quite insular there and um, about how uh, that the reason why, I thought that was a good vart, that um, the sinna of Klal Yisrael, based on Chazal, is a sinna of the Rabbi And he quotes Sigmund Freud, as you remember. That, yeah, I tried to find that quote before, I couldn't find it. Would, do you have the book Moses in mind? No, I tried Googling it. I didn't find the exact quote. Okay, I, I'm I, not. I have a copy which I can send to you, and uh, you could you could peruse it and try to find it. But the point I is, know that because that quote is attributed to Hitler. Uh, Hitler said that the the Jews inflicted two uh, wounds on mankind: one is circumcision, and the other is conscience. <laughs> right, and this is why they hate us because they realize that we yeah. represent this conscience that stops them from. Uh, the full uh, exhibition and... I think what Freud said, if I understood it correctly, was something like circumcision represents this, you know, arrest of the uh, Kaivas and therefore... We know, but this, the point is that, yes, so that's... That, that, I it's think mamayat, that's... It's hanos and therefore this idea that we have to mamayat our hanos this is why they hate us, and therefore, even though they don't realize it's about God, in a way, that's what Rabbi uh, Rabbi Surreal says. You end up realizing that their hatred of us is really a hatred of the Rabbi Shalom in some way, and therefore, we need to understand how special we are and uh, how different we are. And um, and, he, and he really, it's, it's a worthwhile video, which I'm sure we hope we have a number. We have one of our most. Um, loyal listeners, and not only the quality of, of his ideas, and of course, I've used his forum for years. I mean, he is, uh, he sort of, in a way, talks about himself in, in the video when he talks about Lashon Hara, because he talks about uh, the Emea Sphira, and he speaks about how it's not about Avelis, right? It's really about learning the lessons. And he mentions when he talks about average Lashon Hara, he says, yeah, these Lashon Hara, I'm oh, what is it? He's just a Malakit. He's just Malakit Makairis. I couldn't help but think that maybe this was some of the. I thought I said I remember what you say, but you're right. He might. I think he's talking about himself because people don't realize the quality of what he's done uh, in terms of the the really. He was the first person which I heard Maral in an understandable way, and he's uh, certainly not just a man. And, and his ability really to see in a, in a holistic fashion and, and, and to really fuse. Many different, I mean, in a way, look, it's not as deep as Rav Hadari and others who have, you know, have really, you know, delved into, but he was just the, uh, what he has benefited, Safra Yisrael, with his collection of, of, of going through these Makairas, finding them, and showing these Kaveh Dimyon in, in these thinkers, uh, it, it really is a very important. And it's not Rav Kanyevsky, and not, but clearly, uh, he is someone, and also of somewhat a nice humor, as you could tell yeah. in that video. Yeah. And even talking about his, the terror that his family faced, and let's give a shout out to the to the corrupt Cubans who were willing to take the money from who were willing to take the money from the joint Hevra, whatever it was in in New York, to be able to allow his family to have some sort of miklat for a couple of years. Even though St. Louis, they didn't allow in. 
because the energy in his kaya. I was supposed to make the segue. You do it. Remember? Yes, okay. That was go ahead. Go ahead. You do the segue. I know here's the line. I can't do it as eloquently. Yes, you can. can. I'll edit this out. So here it is. I was buoyed by his by his vibrancy of someone from that door still being able to give over things in such a great way. Okay, now you now you Anyway, uh, after that eloquent uh, segue, I don't know what else I have to add, but they was an eight, the day of uh, Avelis. It was a sad episode of Avelis Kadosha, and the sad of somebody who you were very close to, and as we can call you, uh, practically a comic of his, to a large extent, and that's Nifka Beseva Teva, but not the green birds itself, so maybe you want to say something. I'm sure you have a lot to say, but... Um, I would say, and again, look, Rav Nota was maimed doires uh, of Talmidim in ways that perhaps it's difficult to um, describe how we are Talmidim. Uh, in terms of, uh, there are definitely... Tell, tell, tell me about the early days. In well, well, so what I want to tell you about how I, I, I feel, I, I feel like my father is gone. But there is a certain, uh, and just like a father gives certain tonus on Efesh, and sometimes certain personality traits, Rav Nota, in terms of the, the boys from Memphis, that Rav Nota was so crucial from the 1950s, through, I would say, the 80s and perhaps even 90s, I'm not sure if that if we could say that far, in shopping them, he shopped a, a, an attitude, a certain stoltzkeit, um, a sense that, that the Rav Not himself had, which was that nothing, he wasn't scared of anything. Rav Not felt that there was nothing that he could not do, nothing that he could not learn, nothing that he couldn't master. And he imbued into many of us a certain cocky confidence um, and a certain sort of um, attitude where we were not like doe-eyed, you know, Southern kids where, wow, that rabbi, wow, look how much he knows. Oh, wow, could you help me out with this piece of matzah, whatever it is? So we sort of had from Rav Nata a, a, a gvura that he was able to emulate for us and that he sort of stoked even within Edel Talmud. He liked Edelkeit, but he also was able to, I think, fine-tune the Edelkeit. Even the most Edel Hebra had a certain Memphis edge. And that all came from Rav Nata and it really allowed so many, I think, of, of, of Rav Nota's Talmidim to be able to really, you know, not be shell, not not like be stras, starstruck by what was going on. Even though we realized we didn't have the same chinuch as as many, uh, we knew that we didn't know as much. But Rav Nota was was a great encourager, and. Um, and, and so Rav Nata was everyone in yeshiva besides by Rav Moshe. Rav Nata sure did. Rav Nata was in Hebron as a as a young fellow. That should already make him a favorite of yours, okay. uh, as someone who you know glorifies Hebron. Um, he also learned by Rav David Leibowitz, 
uh, for a number of years in Chofetz Chaim. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. He he speaks speaks before and, they came up with the derech. Yeah, he speaks about Rab David in a very, 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 very incredible way, um, and um, he through Rav. Me- of course, he was a Talmud by Rabbi. She also, as a teenager, uh, used to go to Rav Yosha Bears Kailul in Boston. Um, he was in, he was one of the members of the brief yeshiva, right? The Echar Rabbi Chaim Alevi in Boston was that. Uh, when it existed, I think he was in town. You know what? The exact, all I can tell you is that he was part of that Chabura, uh, that, that incredible Chabura, that Rav Michal was there as well. As you know, Rav Michal Feinstein was also there. Um, Rav Michal was an older Chavrusa of Rav Nata's. Rav Nata always referred to Rav Michal, Rav Moshe's nephew, as his Rebbe, although Rav Michal always felt that Rav Nata was just a Chavrusa of his. When I was growing up, um, it was considered the ultimate that Rav Nota would be Miyayitz, a chevra to go learn by Rav Michal. That he would tell the, the really the, 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 the ones who had been the most developed, uh, he would try to, and, and of course, he sent many, many uh, Talmidim to Rav Michal, who he felt. Uh, even after the Hetamir Rabbanim? You know what? All I can tell you is, is that Rav Michal was Pavust as being the one who had Rav Moshe's Hekif. But was able to put it into Lum the Shishprach that the Bnei Yeshiva could be Makabal. Now, of course, his Hishimish to Rav Moshe was also, I don't know how many years it lasted, but it was in very, it was two or three or four years. And Rav Moshe, of course, and we've talked about it on this program, was very uh, enamored of Rav Nota, his skill set, his quickness, uh, his Havana. His ability to zero in on essential things, as opposed to you know pitpute dvar and bialma, and um, and and, and that it's reflected in many many stories and and, and letters that Rav Moshe wrote to Rav Nata, even letters that Rav Moshe wrote when Rav Nata was uh, twenty years old, twenty one years old, and some of them are printed in Igras Moshe, some are in the Kachim Chelik of Igras Moshe. And I, I don't think, you know, let me just say parenthetically that uh, Rav Moshe was not um, skimpy about giving out Tayyare Uh And there are many people that we see Rav Moshe does refer to as Rav Agoyin, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I think Rav Moshe had a little bit of a political savvy, but I do believe that he, he, when, he, when he wrote about Rav Nota, even when he was a young man in his 30s and in Memphis, he meant it. He meant that that really uh, you know, this was someone that 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 Rav Moshe, I, I, I'm not going to say he was the spoil from him, but Rav Moshe loved him as someone who could understand him, as opposed to you know you, you, Rav Moshe was constantly in a state of tzimtzum. You understand because he had to be mitzamtzum himself to to sit there at the table at the Lower East Side and pick up the phone and tell everybody what time you know a lich bench it was. And even when he had to speak at these conventions and talk about stuff, and he was there with with with, with him, my feeling is that Rav Nata, as even as a young man, represented someone that was the segel achabura. And so, how did he get out? Why did how did he get out to Memphis? Why did he remain in Memphis? We might have talked about this in previous uh, discussions. I heard that I heard I think from you, maybe I heard from somebody else once that Rav Yosha Bear, when he met uh, Rav Nata, asked him, "You are you ready to rabbi the Baron Hirsch?" Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. This is the story you got from someone else, but you've mentioned this on this program in our, again, this is our fifth season. So people, 
if people will do a, a, a super Google search, maybe they can find, if we can get the um, transcripts of the program, we could probably find right. it. So he never got to become the rabbi of the Babylon. Actually, we had no hobby to be the rabbi of the He is the, so why the, the, members, the, why the most unrabbinic, the most unrabbinic. Really, a lot of it has to do with the story of Shmero Shulman and others of what was there and what was, uh, what was possible for Rabbonim in the 1950s. In the early 1950s, Rav Nata was uh, to us. Oh, he's 26 years old. Let him stay and learn by Ramosha a couple more years, right? Right. He was born in Rav Nata was born in 1925. So Rav Nata, uh, as he came back from Eretz Yisrael, he was in Brisk, and he was he was a very close, very close with Rav Michal there, and he was there by Rav Michal's Chasana. He was one of the. I think he was one of the. Uh, and there's pictures of him at Rav Michal's Chasna, which, which is very famous. You can see him there, uh, and his and his face is glowing with simcha. Uh, when he came back to America after that, in 1947, I believe, or 48, there was that not many options. And here he was, 20-something, 23 years old. And the idea was he had to go out of town. Now, I mentioned parenthetically, and again, this is going to be a question, I think, now, you know, how, again, remember, if Moshe's daughters picked them, not Ramesh himself. And Ramesh was not Misarev, although we know secretly he did want Ramata. So what was he, what was he to do? So uh, the the possibility came up for him to come down to Memphis to to be a chazan in a shul, the chazan of the Anshasfar synagogue. A chazan. Now, now Ravnota is not Kosovitsky. Ravnota has a pleasant Ravnota is Ravnota Mir Nusach. As Rav Nota, if you ever, and again, and this is true almost, Rav Nota had Nusach down pat. His father also was quite a, a chazan, uh, but a rov. He actually, his father was the rov in the shul that uh, Al Jolson's father was the chazan. So Al Jolson, of course, is the famous Hollywood star who, who did a semi-autobiographical film, which, of course, is the very first uh, talky film, The Jazz Singer, which is about a chazan son. And it's based on Al Jolson's history. That father, Jolson's father, was the chazan in the shul that Rav Yitzchak Greenblatt was the rov. And so Rav Nata was well-versed in chazanis and knew about uh, Nusach. But when he came there, you know, he so came... For states, he, was, he was much greater than any rub, which he was... Of course, he, when, even even in as a young person in his 20s, he was the biggest Talmachacham as soon as he got off the Greyhound. Now, that night, there was he, he stayed in a YMCA somewhere <laughs> in downtown Memphis. I mean, this is what was going on. I mean, here is Reverend wow. Lepper. Is, 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 is this incredible person, incredible potential. And he's in, in, in the biggest hick town that you could think of. And uh, eventually, uh, some members of the Jewish community, he was a bocher. And, um, and uh, eventually, you know, there, was, there weren't that many Orthodox girls, but um, you know, there were out of families, but Orthodox, there weren't. Now, Mr. Rav, Rav, Mr. Kaplan, uh, Rav Nota Shver, was a tachshit of I remember him well. And um, he... Uh, Baruch Hashem raised his daughters uh, to be from southern as they come, right? You you could you know you got a real southern accent there, and Rav Nota, you know this was this was I, I believe you know th- there weren't that many options. So Rav Nota found himself a Memphis girl, um, he and he realized 
that, okay, he's going to just do more than be the chazan. What he, the first thing that happened was the, when the, uh, when the, when the Moyle died, the first Pesach, he was there. Rav Nota. That was one Moyle. That was one Moyle in Shtot, yes. So the Moyle died. I forgot what it was. He had a heart attack or something. And Rav Nota started learning Hilchas Mila, Lamaisa. And he became the Moyle of the Shtot. And eventually, Rav Nota basically, from 1949, uh, took the, uh, the, the, the mantle of you know, even though he, there was already Talmud Torahs that were going on, Rav Nota pushed the very unpopular idea of having a Jewish day school, which you know, throughout America, there was a tremendous pushback. And Rav Nota spoke to me about it often, about the Rabbanim who didn't want to give up their Talmud Torahs, etc. But he, he wasn't involved in any na- national organizations. Right? He wasn't involved in the Sora, the Gura, Mizrahi. It could be he could be he recognized that it was important to have Shita Pula, but Ravnata always, even though again, you know, the OU that he had a, a long career as the Rosh Machirin, um, you know, Ravnata was very much a, a, a maverick, independent fellow, but he recognized what he was doing, similar to what Rav Tites and others were doing, was create to create a school. And he had models throughout to base himself on, but the Memphis in Memphis worked quite differently. So this is what became the Yeshiva of the South, or this is something else? Yeshiva of the South, yes, didn't grow out of that. But at first, what they needed to do was to start a day school. And really, what Rav Nota was able to do was, uh, throughout raising money, that would ensure that the kids would not have to pay tuition. In other words, none of the, 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 the semi-Orthodox members of the community wanted to pay money when they were getting free education in the public schools. Uh-huh. And, and Rav Nota was able to, through force of will, and he had some shutvim, um, uh, Rabbi Kutner, uh, Bishia Kutner, Sai Kutner, and others uh, who were able to, to work together with him. My cousin, uh, Sam Margolin, um, they were able to, um, uh, to bankroll, to help bankroll the fact that the school would offer free tuition. You didn't have to pay anything because they wanted to, to get it started. Um, th- throughout the, uh, and, and therefore any person who has a Torah education in Memphis owes it to the gumption and the energy of Rav Nota Greenblatt. So in that way, there are thousands and thousands of Talmidim and Talmidois that would not have had, maybe it would have happened eventually, but clearly it would not have been the school that I went to because by the time I went to first grade in 1965, it was already, it was Ofgeret. We went to eighth grade. And then, as you know, that summer, Rav Moshe Feinstein came. Uh, and that was my first view of Rav Moshe Zatzal. And they started the Yeshiva of the South. So Rav Nota, incredibly, in this, in, in this hick town, was able, by the mid-60s, not only to have a, a K through eighth grade, but also to start a high school. And the, the Rabbanim that he had, was able to bring in were incredible. One of them was Rav Gershon Weinreb Zachayin Levrocha, who was one of the Bechir Talmidim of Chaim Berlin. And the other was um, Rav Rottenberg, Rav Meir Rottenberg, uh, who is uh, um, from, from TA. Uh, his wife was my first grade teacher, Max, Maxine. Still remember exactly how she taught me the, the, the first Pesukim and Gracious. 
And um, he had an incredible team there of, of ready to create a yeshiva mafueras. And this, this, this is all really, you know, the byproduct. Rav Nota then, and again, it turned out that, okay, he lost the job as the chasm. I mean, that, that wasn't going to be a job for him. Uh, he was never paid a pruta by the Vod of Memphis. This was an unpaid position when it eventually came in. But the idea of having a Vada Kashras, uh, the idea of uh, dealing, you know, um, in fact, you know, my, um, the mikvah that was, uh, uh, that was going to be built, let me give you some background. There was a mikvah that was built by Rabbonim Chshuvim in Memphis that was in the old part of town, which people know about Memphis, it's called the Pinch, right near the Pinch. The Pinch was a place that was sort of like a farkvetch to north, right off of where the Mississippi River was. And it was like a ghetto that um, uh, the, the famous writer Stern has written a number of magical, mystical stories about life in Memphis, about the pinch. But the mikvah, which was the mikvah that where the building was actually the mikvah that my parents, that my mother and my grandmother uh, took care of in the early 1950s, women didn't want to go there because it was, a, it was becoming a very bad neighborhood and the shul itself was closing down. So they were going to put the mikvah in the shul. Now, in many places, you, you say, what, a mikvah and a shul? How could you do that? But this was standard. The idea of having a separate mikvah building. So the mikvah was in the Baroner shul, which was built in the early 1950s, the most, one of the most magnificent buildings ever built for a shul. Uh, and they felt, okay, there was my uh, cousin, um, my cousin Sam, uh, and, and, and his two brothers uh, said there was money left over from my, from my uh, grand aunt, uh, Golda, to have a mikvah, Goldie Margwin. So, they were, so the rabbi of the Baron Hirsch started building this mikvah. He didn't know Rav Nota came in there. And Rav Nota saw what was going on. He saw that it was Bechlal. The person didn't know what he was doing. But there was money that was put over there. So, so to make a short, long story short, the rub flipped up and says, look, I don't know. You want to do it, you do it. I says, okay, we're going to do it. <laughs> so Rav Nota opened, he started in Shulchan Aruch, and then Rav Nota became one of the biggest kenners in Mikvoyus. Because Rav Nota, so here he was, he became the Moyo. He became the kenner in Mikvoyus. He became the Yadin in Kashrus because I mentioned Afes in Kosher. Um, and uh, uh, in, in other words... Get him, get him. Okay, okay, this of course me faced that Rav Nota ends up becoming probably, uh, I would say, in the, if there's going to be a Jewish Guinness Book of World Records, that Rav Nota is going to never be surpassed in terms of how many Gittin he was Masader. Um, and I can tell you, I was Zeicha <clears throat> to be by Rav Nota when he was Masader again in Houston when I was a Rav in my short stint <laughs> as a rabbi there. And uh, hour. Yeah. However, my father, Oliver Shalom, was a, a, a constant aide by Rav Nota's right. Gitin. And I knew very well about how he fears Zachtoch. And I want to talk to ask you. Uh, I, has... tell you I just want to tell you this. from Moshe Heineman, who is also does not give out praise easily, said that Rav Nota is the, is the biggest buck in Ebenezer in America, hands down. Yeah. I want to ask you how, how this Litvisha or I mean, let's say Yushami, but this Litvish Rav and this Poilish Balabas, who was your father, how they became so Makusha Balev and Nefesh? 
I think I've already said the story here, but it's worth repeating. It's that, worth repeating, at least today is the... Uh, yeah, so again, and, and look, you know, you know, my father, when he came, was, was, was completely destitute. And, um, you know, they, they were trying to think, what can they do for this man who could barely speak English? He's a yeshiva background. Like, what are we going to do with him? Uh, he has a kankakind. So they came up with some eights. The, the one of the eights they came up with that he should be the shah, he should be a, he's the, the shamashani in the shul. And if, if you if you met my father, my father was not, that's like asking me to be the shamashani in the shul as well. That ain't, that ain't happening. Um, the, the, and basically, you know, eventually he did get a job um, as a, um, as a super of a, a bunch of apartment buildings that um, that many of the young light, uh, the young Orthodox uh, people in Memphis, he, you know, as my father would say, he cut the grass. Uh, one of the things, but that one of the things he did before that job solidified was that he, since they lived next door to the mikvah, they lived in the mikvah building, so it was incumbent on my family to keep the mikvah going. So what they needed was a sermon to go collect from these these families. There's only about maybe 20 families or 25, 20 families that use the mikvah. And it was understood that every month uh, they, people would send money for, would give money for the mikvah. And at that time, my father did not have a car. So he drove his bicycle to all the places where from people who used the mikvah lived. Um, now, many of them, my father said, uh, would he would come to the door? They would leave him out. And uh, Memphis, as you know from your brother-in-law who lived there, is one of the most difficult places to live in the summer. The humidity and the high temperatures there—it's not—it's even worse than Arizona and other places where at least there's a certain coolness of of. And at night, Memphis is is very hot and humid. Um, and uh, I have distinct memories. We only had one air conditioner in our house. And I remember all of us would just huddle into the air conditioner in the in the living room and just stick our faces in there for just hours to be able to be cool. But my father, even before we ever got an air conditioner, my father would drive in his bicycle to collect almost all the, as he told me, uh, all the uh, the the people he collected from would um, wait till he came to the door and keep him waiting. Ravnata, because of Tznius and because of Kovat Abrius. Would, whenever my father would come, Rav Nota would come, would see him out of the wind, out of his uh, apart, out of his apartment where he was, and he would run out, and always with a, a, a cup of water, and make sure to give him uh, the money for the mikvah. So my father, uh, as I said, remembered that, and as he eventually became a super on the in the apartment buildings and started to save every cent he could the same way he survived with black market shenanigans throughout the war. He was able to finally save money. He came to Rav Nut and said, you know, let's go into business. He said, he says, we're gonna, I'm going to take it out from what we're going to make. So in other words, you'll be my partner. And whatever the initial investment is, I'll take that. And then we'll be completely 50-50 partners. 
Is there anybody, I, again, is there anyone, as Ma said, my father said he wanted to have shutvis with a Talmud Chochem. And this is the reason why Rav Nota was able to become independent. So even though he did Hashkochas, the OU, what, you know, he was part of the, the Rav Machirim, the Gitan he Kimat didn't make a cent on. You know, he, a lot of the times he flew from, from his own, own pocket. There were places, there were times that the shoals would write a check. But generally, this, the Gitan was something that um, he did uh, uh, as a, a, a hatova that he did for so many women. You know, today we have, you know, Jofa and all these other people. Rav Nota was the pioneer in this area of trying to help Agunas out, people who didn't want to give Gitan. There are, again, th- there could be one of the greatest um, little uh, coffee table booklets of all the stories of how Rav Nota was able to get people uh, to give Gitan. There were gangsters. There were people that, that were in jail and worse than gangsters. There were recalcitrant uh, Roshoyim. There were people all over that Rav Nota was matzliach, not only in getting them to give the get. Uh, but also able to uh, to do it in a way that that was a which which made him so um, uh, desirable, and therefore he flew all over America. Uh, people knew it's Rav Nota, and people who watched him, and and I had the schuss to see him a number of times, especially when I sat next to him in Houston to see how he not only dealt with the people involved, but the careful his careful diktuk. By the way, Rav Heinemann uh, mentioned that I told you he was the biggest Bucky in Evan Ezer. Uh, he came to, uh, they brought him into Baltimore to be Masader Chalitza. And Rav Heinemann was so spoil that Rav Nota was able to um, uh, do the whole Chalitza process without looking into the Sefer Bechlal. The Seder Chalitza, you know, it's, it's written up. Rav Nota had it completely on his head, Lagamri. So, where he was able to become the Bucky in all these areas is, is incredible. He had no Chavrusa, right? He, the Chavetz Chaim himself, who we see as the ultimate halachic thinker, when he had a sugya that was difficult, he learned with someone. He found Yungalite. He had Adams. He had son-in-laws. He had, he had people that, that, that he developed things with. Rav Nata in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's true, his nephew eventually, Ephraim, came. Uh, again, it's no, they had uh, obviously a yachas, but Ephraim, Ephraim was not Rav Nata's chavrusa, at least as far as I know. It might be for a while, they, they used to sometimes learn together. He did have men that a little bit, your day is safer, that he would learn with, he had shiur with, but Rav Nata created, just like Rav Moshe in Luban, Rav Nata in Memphis was able to become a veldzgoyim. Uh, of, of incredible, incredible proportions. There's no question about it. The Chinuch helped him, but most of it was his indomitable desire. And there was, he wasn't scared of anything. As Rav Nota said, I don't give a damn. That was basically, you know, how Rav Nota was able to do it. And, um, you know, I think that is, you know, uh, one of the most incredible things that the history of America, really, that you had such a person it was there. It is a it is a shame that 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 it was only in the last twenty five years, I believe, there was a little bit of notor of, of of ugly notoriety, which we don't have to get into today, especially. But the 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 last twenty five years, especially when the Kailo, they decided to bring a Kailo in Memphis, 
that was meant to really have Rav Nota as the Rosh Kailu. And a number of those Yungalites, some of them who are writing Svarim today, very Kosher for Svarim, my friend, who I've become friendly with, Amanus Blumenfroch and others, they have become, uh, those were Talmidim. Rav Nota would come and give sheer clothes to them two or three times a week. Um, and that was you really... Should, you should imagine, I assume that um, you were... Um... You, you did a program earlier this... Uh, yes, that is true. Yes, about, actually, uh, actually, so we started, look, you know, I, I, I started a, a program a number of months ago. Um, it's actually it's Rishchidosh Oder that we started. It's called Chaya Ilam Nota. And, um, you know, I, I never told Rav Nota this, but it's clear to me that the reason why people have the name Nosen Nota is based on the Bir Chasatayra. Mm-hmm. So that's where you have the Nosan and the Nata. That's how the two come together. Now obviously, there's Nosmanovi, but, but where does Nata come from, right? So Nosan Nata, which is, we know, uh, 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 quite a common appellation for people. So it, it was obvious to me that Nata is Chaya Oilam Nata So we started this program uh, and discovering Rav Nata, unlike Ephraim, who who wrote voluminously and sometimes, I would say, uh, sometimes uh, voluminously and sometimes um, uh, inanely uh, in his forum, Rav Nota was a Kamsen in how much he wrote and how much he published. And there is, uh, you know, the, the Ksovim and the Chuvis that Rav Nota has worked on, they are being worked on by a team of Tamir Chachamim that we hope will be able to put them out. But, um, but Rav, as I said, uh, I felt it was important that Mofarsim Rav Nota and his family signed off on it. Yesterday, as Rav Nota was still a Chaim, uh, his grandnephew, Ephraim's son, uh, Menachem, uh, gave a shir that I... The Rav the Aguda in St. Louis, who, by the way, took as his model Rav Nota. Rav Nota was his model, and since Menachem was born... Forty years later, he could be he could be the Rishkoilo and the Rav that Rav Nota couldn't be. <laughs> In other words, just by dint of being born later, Menachem, who is not as and he'll admit right away, is doesn't have you know the gifts of Rav Nota, but has an incredible personality and a nice, a wonderful Lamdin and a, a tremendous mensch, someone that, that that I've been so close with my whole life. Um, so Menachem agreed, or Menachem agreed to. To give a shear based on Rav Nota's Torah, including Hisofas that he said, uh, we gave the shear yesterday. I introduced it, and I uh, some and I was zocha to give a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a nice drush for it at the end. I have to tell you, and again, it's uh, I don't know how interesting this is, but I was I was struggling with our with our computer uh, technology. It was uh, it was based on stuff that was on the internet that was not working, uh, and I and I was trying to edit this and get this uploaded. I, 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 again, it's, it's, I went, it wasn't working. I have to tell you that I, 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 ha, I did a Tahara last night of another Choshevayid who was Nifter and Elizabeth. When I came back from that Tahara, it worked. When it came back from that, I was able to get the shear. I was able to get the edits in. I was able to upload it. It was, it was at 10 o'clock last night, 10, 15. In the in, in at two thirty in the morning, Ravnota's children uh, put earphones into Ravnota's ears, 
in order for them to hear the Torah that his grandnephew was saying. In, in the words of his son, Joey, I thought that maybe when he would hear his Torah being said, even by someone he loved, he would get angry and he would wake up and say, no, that's not what I meant. That's not how he said it. He didn't say it right. So the, as we know, what the Neshama can be margish, maybe there was other Tillim and Torah they were saying around him, but you don't know how much that means to me that a shear that I was able to put together, including my own little introduction and Tifrei Shevach with Rav Nota, was some of the last things that Rav Nota in this Olam uh, was to, 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 to take in. I, you know, I, I hope that it was something that Rav Nota uh, felt was a Dover Hamaskabel, because soon after that, our shear and Rav Nota was welcomed into uh, the Yeshiva Shomala. And it's no question about it, to me, that not only was Rav Moshe the first one, but Rav Moshe and and and, and Rav David Leibovich, Rav Michal, the Briskerov, Rav Yoshaber, Rav David Feinstein as well, who was uh, who looked up to Rav Nota and saw Rav Nota as such a grace of grace mensch. Nine almost ninety six years, he had a bracha from Rav Cook for Arichas Yomim. Yeah. Um, he said to me years ago. Um, when I uh, was speaking to him about Shvius, I think it was 14 years, I think it was, it was either 14 or 21 years, I think it was 21 years ago that I was speaking to him. And Art Scroll, that we both worked for in, in, in fashion, uh, had come out with their prototype of Mishnaya Shvius. Was it 14 or, I think it was 21 years ago that they came out with it. And um, Rav Nota, uh, I, I, I had a copy and Rav Nota had a copy. And Rav Nota looks at it and he says, How could that be? How could that be? He told me a similar thing with the art scroll sitter. They showed him the art scroll sitter and he said, you know, you know, he said to do the tzvei was a geret starks to fintfil in the in the lets the door. The two people who spoke about davening in the greatest way, in the most philosophic way, and the most most achaychadik way was the rov and Rav Cook, and they don't mention any of them. How could they not be there? And of course, Rav Nota knew the answer, but these were the things that uh, that, that 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 Rav Nota was really a. a was was way beyond, and um, you know, I will tell you something. Which uh, one of again, I can tell a lot of stories about Rav Nota, but uh, I will tell you that that I, um, you know, told him over. Um, I had a whole shtickle based on um, Rav Yosha Bear's uh, hespid on the briskerov, and I had a whole piece worked out because. Rav Nota was very happy that I, that when Rav Shaber was Nifter, uh, that I went down, I was able, I spoke in the University of Chicago with the Divinity School, and I was, I gave a hespit on, on Rav Shaber, and he had given a, he gave a big hespit in Memphis on Rav Shaber, and um, so I remember speaking to him about, about, my, uh, about what happened when, uh, what forced him to give the hespit on the briskerov, and I talked to him about, um, Talked to him about what was in the safe room, and he said to me, 
that, first of all, he said that he, that it was Andrish. He said that, that what they printed up was totally different than what Rav Yashaber said. Because he knew, because he was there, and he said what they printed up was different. And then he took out, I think it was an old Hadoyar. He went into his, his farm shrock that was a, it was, you've seen my farm shrocks, of course, when you look at me on Zoom. His farm shrock was very similar in terms of everything, all different sorts of obscure things. He's looking up there, and he takes out a, 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 a yellowed, crinkled new, a doar newspaper that had, that had Rav Yosha Bear's, uh, the Hespin that, that he had there. And, um, and, and, and he shook it. He was, and he showed it. This, this was something that, that he had uh, uh, collected and kept there. So he was a, um, an incredible, incredible lighthouse of a person. And, um, and as I said, you know, I, I, I would say that the, the lion, that same power, there's been sparks of it. You, you can see it, you know, as it comes, as it comes, as it comes out. Um, and I think that's, you know, in, in a way, you know, um, that, that held him so stark. Uh, you know, I, I was once looking in his, in his bookshelf and a person that I've tried to model myself after really, I guess I was about um, 17 and I took out um, I think it was from Rav Simcha Saf. And of course, I said, um, or maybe it was Mechkar Ayadis from Rav Simcha Saf that he had. And I said to Rav Nota, I said, um, Rav Nota, uh, who is this guy? He says, Erstens, there's Nishkan Gai. <laughs> I never made that mistake again. But um, but the uh, you know this was yeah and again Simcha Saf is 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 one a Telzer who who was one of the great Chaykrim of the 20th century and in a in a Zatoyeradik way. So in a way, the fact that Rav Nata had covered for, of course, Rav Cook and the Rav. These were people that, that, that you had to have covered. But Rav Nata also understood, Rav Nata understood the, 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 the broadness of what is included in, in, in Yisrael um, and, and what is included in Teiras Yisrael. Um, and I would say that his Bikiyas and what he, again, it was selective, but it was the, the Makairis Rishayim that he was Shailatan were, were all integral and essential. Um, and, and that's that's really something which, again, it's not like Rachayim that it's that it, it bowls you over in terms of every single Ravio and every single Ravon, etc. But 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 his his understanding of the of of, of the source Balamor Ramban, his understanding of of of, of the major Machleksim and Rishonim, was very very solid. And 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 one other thing I will tell you. That when I was misfakeach with him on a certain opinion in Hilchas Nida, that had to do with uh, it had to do with Rishitas uh, Rishoyim and and Erkiveger, and we talked about it. He uh, originally told me one psak. I went back home and I worked it out because it was a shtikel negayel amaisa, and I came back, and he said, "Ich bin maskin." In Maida, Maida, yeah, zenkerech. Yeah, this is Taka, this is Taka, the, the Pshad. 
again, the, the, it's such a it's it's one thing if you have you know, all right here you have a person who's willing to be made alamis, willing to to because lamana emes because ultimately that was really the most important thing to him, uh, yeah, and that I think is again there's still much much more to be said. Tremendous loss for Klai Yisrael and uh, a personal loss for yourself and for certainly for. Um, in America, and uh, especially uh, all the people in whom we had Ashwan, all the people who were Marichim, which means and uh, it does need a bracha for the Shabbat Davin Aliyah. So, let's say, let's say, yes, I would say that, uh, that, 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 and you can look at these old pictures, you can see that twinkle, that mischievous twinkle in Ravnota's eyes. I know that that is that's that's that is now shining in the Ayoba Emerson. <laughs> the Masif to the Rikia got themselves a a a a, a gishmake, gevalde, gekoyachim. You know, after all those years in Golis in Memphis, zitzt mamish besegel achabura. And again, with, with the kisrei atayra and kesser shem type shayu al kulan, the zichrei boruch, the zichrei boruch. <laughs> take care, everybody. We shall see everybody. We'll take it. Ultimately, it should be in the homes for Gantz colleagues, especially us. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 